I am Christy Ballard Fellaini. I am a certified life coach who found herself at 42, freshly divorced, kids off to college, and having never dated in my adult life. I was starting in the middle. If you haven't yet hit start on your middle time in life, let's do it together. Let the journey begin. You are listening to Start in the Middle, episode 16. Hey there. Hey, so I have a question for you. Have you ever had that weird feeling in your brain that you just can't seem to explain? It kind of feels like a heavy, like weighed down feeling. There's maybe a little bit of anxiousness, maybe a little bit of uneasiness, but you just can't seem to pinpoint where it's coming from or why it's even there. So today when I was leaving my full-time job, I did have a little bit of a pleasant surprise when I came across this email stating that we, in fact, were not going to have our normal department meeting. And what really felt like a double score was that I actually found this email before I kind of trotted myself down the hallway to the meeting, only to have to admit that, well, yeah, in fact, I don't read all the emails that come into my inbox. I'm sure you can relate. So I get into my car and I start to head home and then this nagging feeling happens. So what was it? So today was a rest day on my training program. And so it wasn't that I had to, you know, hurry up and get home so that I could work out or so that I could run some miles. Um, I knew that I really didn't have anything pressing on my schedule for that day. And so I really just couldn't figure it out. So I started to really just kind of scan my brain and, you know, kind of scan my body. And what I discovered was nothing, a big fat nothing. You see, I didn't have anything pressing that I needed to go home and get done. We didn't have any big plans going on that evening. In fact, the thought had even crossed my mind on indulging in an afternoon nap. But here's the deal. Isn't it possible that our brain spends so much time in overload and overthinking and overplanning and maybe even worry that we just don't know how it feels to just be? Have you ever thought about how much time your brain ruminates over an unpleasant thought or maybe even an idea, even a conversation that didn't go the way that you had thought that it would? When we ruminate, we tend to replay the conversations over and over in our brain and in its problem-solving state. We start to look at it from every possible angle and we say things like, 
I should have said this, or I should have said it that way. Or what about those times where we haven't even had the conversation yet, when we are anticipating it and we start to play it out in our minds and we think of all the possible things that that other person might say so that we can decide ahead of time how we're going to respond. And then when we actually do have the conversation, it doesn't go the way that we expected it to anyway. In fact, it wasn't even as difficult as our brain originally led us to believe. Does this sound familiar? I mean, can you relate to this? Isn't it possible that our brains are over-programmed to always be on the lookout for disaster? Our natural instinct is to be on the lookout for what could go wrong. Even when we are not in any immediate danger, our brains like to think ahead of time and keep us out of that danger. It also keeps us in a constant loop of the next thing we need to do or the next thing we think we should do that we have a hard time in just allowing the nothingness. And here's something else. Think about how many times a day your phone buzzes or your email pings or now even our watches vibrate. And they are all notifying us of something that must be important, that it must be tended to right now. At least that's what our brain thinks, right? It must be important and it must be dealt with right now. I have even found that our loved ones get antsy when we don't respond right away. And they think things like, well, you have your watch on, you got the notification, why didn't you answer? Oh, technology, you guys. I point out all of these things because we use so much of our mental energy that when we actually do find ourselves at a point where we can just be, we don't know how. We don't know how to just drown it all out. Even when we discover that there is nothing that we need to worry about right now, that there is nothing pressing that needs to be handled right now in that moment. So my brain started scanning for that familiar feeling when I knew that I could possibly go home and take a nap or I didn't have anything on my agenda or on my plan. My brain automatically went there looking for that familiar feeling. It started purposefully looking for disaster or what it is that I needed to do next. It was telling me, surely there is something that is supposed to be weighing you down. Does that sound familiar? Have you noticed that feeling? That feeling when all is right in your small chunk of the world and that you could really relax but you've maybe spent so much time lately in the doom and gloom that your brain is saying, hey, we're supposed to be in doom and gloom. What's going on with you? Why are you not on board? Did you know that doom and gloom are actually indulgent emotions? 
Same with worry. Remember when I talked about how much time we spend in our heads going over and playing out conversations that we haven't even had, only to discover that that conversation didn't go the way that we expected, or how much time our brain power we spend on something that didn't even happen, or how much time we think about things that haven't even happened yet. This is what I'm talking about when I say that worry and doom and gloom are indulgent emotions, emotions that we stay stuck in, that we don't even realize that we actually have a choice. It may not feel like a choice, but it is. Your worry may feel like a genuine alarm, but it is a choice. And you may say to me, Christy, but you just don't know what it is that I'm worried about. My son has been caught drinking alcohol, and I am so worried that he will continue to do this. And drinking alcohol at such a young age could potentially hurt him. You're absolutely right. That could happen. But all the worry in the world will not change the fact that your son may continue with this behavior. The truth is only he has the answer to that question. Only he is in control of his actions. Now, I, of course, am not suggesting that you should just turn a blind eye and you should just say, oh yeah, you're right. He may or he may not do that but only he has the answer to that. And your worry will not make him stop and reconsider that action. In fact, the only control you have in this situation are your thoughts about it and your feelings and how you choose to show up. So the only thing that you can actually control is being the parent that he needs to be at that time, having those conversations with him about his actions and what is the best way to help him to discover that he can come to a better decision when he is facing this challenge. You can do all of these things, but again, at the same time, only he is the one that has control over that action. You see, we think as parents that it is possible, and sometimes we even think that it is our job to try to control our children's behavior. But if your children have actually passed the age of two, And if you have ever been witness to your two-year-old throwing themselves on the ground over not getting a toy at the store, you know we cannot control other human beings or their actions. But what we can control is how we think about things. And how we think about things is what will cause our feelings and drive our actions, and how we participate in all situations. Now, of course, your teenager drinking alcohol can lead 
to bad habits, but your worry and your ruminating and your spinning over the possibility of this happening again is only harming you and your mental well-being. Again, I am not at all suggesting that you lose your compassion or your empathy for this situation, but I am talking about taking control of your own mental well-being. What I am suggesting is awareness, awareness for your thoughts and awareness for the things that keep coming up in your brain that you're playing on replay and how those thoughts are making you feel about who you are. And I'm not saying that you're not going to feel bad in these particular situations. You will question situations. You will question things that will be out of your control. But again, ask yourself, is worry serving me right now or is it making me feel worse? These are the exact types of situations that I work with my clients on in Stop Overthinking It. If you have questions about, Christy, how do I stop overthinking this situation? Or Christy, how do I stop worrying or stop ruminating on a thought? Come visit me at christyballardfellini.com. Click on free consult. I would love to speak to you on strategies and things that you can do to retrain your brain to keep from that replay of ruminating conversations, to to keep from overthinking things and thought processes that are no longer serving you. I hope you have enjoyed this episode, and I thank you so much for listening to Start in the Middle with me, Christy Ballard Fellini. My mission is to help women empower themselves to be exactly who they want to be, someone that they can love in what could be the best time of our lives, midlife. Ladies, the sky is the limit for us. Who is your life coach? I would love the opportunity to work with you as you are rediscovering the woman you were meant to be. Visit ChristyBallardFellini.com for more information on how we can work together to ignite that passionate, enthusiastic woman who may have been tucked away for some time. Let's start in the middle together.